0: You know, quite honestly, that's not any different than when I was in school.
1: No, I know it isn't,
0: but... It was always it, about, I mean, who had the, you know, the the 120 uh, ad marked pens that could create the coolest looking, you know, drawing for the final rendering. You know, I mean, it wasn't a rendering. I
1: think thing. it's more of a a mindset, though, of knowing what it takes to get something built versus just make it look good on paper.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Those are two completely different processes. And so if I know that I want that thing to get built, I'm going to draw it right, and I take pride in that. Welcome to the Archispeak Podcast. I'm Evan Troxell. Each episode, Neil Pan, Cormac Phelan, and I have a casual conversation about all things architecture. And we invite you to listen in as we talk about everything in the profession, both the good and the bad. Maybe you're considering a career in architecture, you're still in school, or you've been around the blocks of Corbusier's City of Tomorrow more times than you'd like to admit. Join us in the studio as we stand around the water cooler and talk about why we love our chosen profession. It's time for some art to Speak.
0: I Welcome to episode 75 at the Arcuspeak Podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Corin Phelan. And Evan, I think we have a couple of friends of the show to announce.
1: We have two friends of the show, which is very cool. The first one is Ramsey Chan, and I am probably butchering Ramsey's name. Coming to us all the way from Amman, Jordan, in the Middle East, and they've been listening to the podcast for over a year. And he says that they absolutely love the conversation in the background while working on studio assignments. So thank you, Ramsey. That is very cool to hear from you. And uh, thanks for becoming a friend of the show. And our second friend of the show, this episode is Orla hook. And Orla is, I believe a second time friend of the show. I'm not sure where Orla is, but thank you very much for donating to the show. If you would like to become a friend of the show and get your name read on the Arcuspeak podcast, please head on over to ArcaSpeakPodcast.com slash donate, where all of your donations help make the show possible, and uh, we would really appreciate it. So that's it for Friends of the Show this week.
0: So Evan, we should also mention, uh, since we mentioned it at the end of the last episode, let's mention it at the top of this episode yeah, uh, uh, about the T-shirts. So what's the deal on those?
1: Yeah, so I, what we're doing is trying to find out if, and we got a couple... I don't know, three or four people from the last episode saying they'd be interested in getting a ArcaSpeak T-shirt, and we were thinking about doing another run of those. And so uh, if we get enough interest, we definitely would look at doing that again. So if you would be interested in getting an ArcaSpeak T-shirt with the ArcaSpeak graphic on it, and that's it, that's all that's on it. It's just the graphic, and it just says ArcaSpeak, no, no other uh, junk on there. Let us know, let us know on Twitter, hit us up in the comments on the episode here or on our Facebook page. You can anywhere it doesn't matter. Just let us know if you'd be interested in that. We've had a few people say I would like a particular style or whatever we we're We're open to listening to that too, so let us know and if we get enough people interested we'll we'll do another run of those
0: and what What color do those shirts come in
1: the the darkest color <laughs> <laughs>
0: The only color. That's right. Anyway, so for this episode, we've got a few different smaller topics, but they all kind of revolve around um, one main sort of topic, and that's uh, around the office. It's a theme. There is a theme. Yeah, there's a theme to this show. So um, I'm not sure which one you guys want to get started with first, but uh, I don't know. Let's start with uh, the iPad, Uh, the iPad at work. Uh, By the time this show uh, airs, the new iPad Pro, uh, will have uh, gone on sale, and uh, all the
1: Microsoft the, the, Surface owners are rolling their eyes right now. Yes,
0: uh, th- probably, probably. But I mean, that we can talk about that. Uh, I want to. I'm kind of curious um, what you guys think, because uh, I know Cormac, you used to use an iPad in in your former office. Uh, I don't know about your new office, but uh, um, I mean, let's let's talk a little bit. That will, he, will the larger one, or you know, is the Surface on the right path here with? you know, that sort of, uh, that thing, or the iPad Pro, you know, being a larger device, having the uh, better sketching capabilities with the Apple Pencil, I don't know, is this going to make an impact in the practice of architecture? What do you guys think about that?
2: Honestly, I mean, here's where uh, you two are safely on the uh, West Coast, and I'm safely on the East Coast when I say this, but, (laughs) what I mean, what will the iPad Pro be able to do that the Surface Pro can't do? Um, because in a lot of different progr- uh, project management type programs, they run the full version on the Surface Pro where <clears throat> there was no real, no real worthy app for those similar, you know, like Newforma um I've talked about you know the project management software new form a, uh a bit and you had certain apps on the iPad that ran and they ran fine I mean there was nothing really wrong with them um but the surface or the uh or the surface pro it could run the full version and you didn't have to worry about the apps or anything like that um and so there's Some things that Office based, you know, Windows based um, programs just run better on the Surface Pro because it's being used as a more or less a mobile laptop. So let me ask what is, what would the uh, Surface Pro do that, I mean, sorry, what would the, you know, iPad Pro do that the Surface Pro doesn't do?
1: I I would just say that I I think that it it's not trying to be the all-in-one computer which I think the Surface is, right? I mean that's True,
2: true. So
1: to me, I'm I'm more excited and obviously this is my my bias in this because I do make incredibly complicated things on computers. Um I feel and I haven't tried a Surface Pro and I'm sure I would like using one, but I also feel like it would limit me in certain ways. With screen real estate and interface of applications, and I think that's really where the new technology of iOS, where they are trying to be completely different from OS X uh, and not try to be the same thing, I think this is where software developers are really shining and and they are that's this is where new developers who have new apps that do very specific things, are rethinking the way we do things. And I I honestly feel like with the iPad Pro, we are probably on one of those precipices of completely new development because the screen is so much larger and you can do the side-by-side apps now and just some of this new stuff with the the Apple Pencil that I think we're going to see some new stuff that nobody has seen before. Whereas I don't think that that is happening when you're basically making an ultra thin laptop with stylus input i mean that's okay. been done before and that it is very portable and i you can run full apps but i can't imagine actually this is me doing the projects i do running revit on a machine like that
2: well no and i don't think and i'm hoping that nobody thinks that that's a replacement for you know a revit worthy machine
1: yeah i guess if you're talking more like the new forma line of stuff then i think that does make a lot of sense But, you know, if you're
2: side-by-side comparing that, you know, you want to show some, like, 3D graphics and things like that. Both of them have, you know, touch input. So you could basically pull up a SketchUp model or something like that and, you know, spin them through, you know, a client or whoever. Spin them through, like, you know, the layouts or the whatever you want to do. But when it comes to things like, you know, you're talking about the... The new um, Apple Pen, or whatever it's called. What is it called? Jeez. Apple Pencil. Apple Pencil. Whatever. It's not a guide. You can't flip it it over and use the eraser, I don't think. It it ain't no pencil. (laughs) My pencil is my pencil. My Black Warrior pencils. Best pencils ever. Anyway. So, you can sponsor us Black Warrior pencils. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No. But, so you know the, one of the good sketching programs that i use on the ipad that i th- think will have i've never used it on the uh, um the surface pro cuz i've never touched a surface pro but um i can see that the uh the autodesk um why am i blanking on the uh, sketchbook sketchbook thank you uh would probably run really well on the um the surface pro as well You know, and then you'd be getting a full version, which, you know, as much as I like the Sketchbook app on the iPad, I think that, you know, a fuller version.
1: Yeah, but the difference is going to be with the pencil is all of the tilt and
2: the pressure and all that stuff. Well, there's different stylus out there that you can use. Um, uh, There's, you know, hex... um, comes out you know has come out with a assortment of different um stylists that are really really good and for um and I,
1: surface or for ipad well what are you, talking f-
2: about? you can use them for both yeah I've, think I've, I've i think i'm
1: imagining it. with the pencil and i don't i only from things i've listened to and read about is that it's it's completely different than using just kind of uh the what's what's it called where it's just kind of conducting through yeah uh, it's I'm, not that. It's Bluetooth now. So that's why it does palm rejection so good. And, and I, I'm good, reading cause I'm artists <laughs> at Pixar who are using this thing, and they're amazed by the palm rejection. I mean, and, and what's funny is you watch the new video, and nobody's touching the iPad with their palm, but I think that that is, has more to do with... Well they're not left handed. Well well it also has to do with they are just trying to show how responsive the screen is, and it's just better for video if you can see more of the screen, right, and your your hand isn't resting on it. But from everything I've read, the palm rejection is pretty awesome. And that is
2: a hundred percent because of the Look, the I, Bluetooth I love, technology. I love sketching. I love sketching on an iPad. The only problem is is that I don't. You know, yeah. with the interface that I have, unfortunately, I the way that I draw, I rest my hand on my paper, yeah, and so you know I'm getting I'm getting that contact with yeah totally the iPad in a regular stylus.
1: I don't I don't love sketching on it. I keep going back to paper, but I'm kind of hoping this will change that.
2: I mean, you know what? I mean, yes, <clears throat> me of all people, I will be the first to say that I enjoy you know, sketching on paper more than anything else, but I don't actually mind sketching on an iPad. Um, I've drawn some pretty cool things with it, you know, and especially with um, all the different apps and I'm going to name them all, but I mean, all the different apps, there's ones that you can do different layers. And so I could like sketch with like a, kind of like a, pre line layer, you know, kind of like if you, I was doing a comic book and I was drawing with you know blue line first and then layering it over with pencil and then layering it over with ink, you can do those in a lot of these different apps, and I really like that um, almost face um, almost a Photoshop type input of layering. Um, so I I like those, and those are things that you can't do on you know because the first time that you make a mistake when you're drawing by hand. And you try to erase it, yeah, yeah,
1: not Probably. so much. Yeah. Have you guys seen that the new promo for the the version of Procreate that's going to be coming out? Yes, it's uh, it's got uh, perspective grids and it's got a bunch of cool stuff
2: for the. Uh, oh, see, I, see, I'm actually excited about the um, iPad Pro, and I, I definitely would give that a look in a purchase way before I would a, um, surface. I'm just thinking, you know, as we're talking about using a tablet in the office environment, um, right now, a lot of everything that we use, and I know it's a little bit different for you, Evan, but, and and you, Neil, but it's a, almost everything that we use is PC based. Um, almost everything created for the architecture world is PC based. Yeah,
1: but I think that the stuff that you're using it for, and I don't think it matters what brand it is. Uh, I don't think that, that that you're not looking for like file interchange for three dimensional data necessarily. Like like it's just it's it's imagery, it's documents, it's stuff that everything
2: speaks. It's not. But what Neil started it off with, you know, as me using it for you know project management type stuff out in the field i would feel like the you know new forma you know using the native app of new forma rather than the ipad based apps is would be better for me out in the field using the uh, the full version rather than the the apps mm-hmm. and and i'm just
0: what i find interesting about this is that for a number of years, probably in a decade, before the iPad came out, there were they weren't really. I mean, there were tablets, right? I mean, Microsoft had uh, uh, tablet-type devices, and um, they didn't sell. There was very no, little there was market. Tablet
2: laptops.
0: Well, uh, yeah. All right. So yeah, the
1: convertible laptops.
0: But I mean that that market. They 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 kept trying. And um, to their credit, they kept trying and, and it just, nothing worked until the iPad dropped. And then suddenly everybody had to have or started using a tablet. And so um, I don't know, you know, which one is better or worse. And, and quite frankly, that's not really what I was hoping to even discuss on yeah. this topic. <laughs> I know. But I know. Uh, um I, I just think that – I mean, I'm just kind of curious uh, what the tablet – I mean, certainly Apple did something with the iPad that clearly sparked an interest in a market. I mean, there was certainly a market already with apps and the iPhone, and that sure. just spilled yeah. right over into the iPad and created a giant market out there that uh, that – you know, it still exists and is actually now slowing down. I mean, that I think the iPad Pro is in a response to the fact that sales of the iPad and tablets in general has been slow. Well, it's because people want it. So.
2: People like the flexibility of an iPad or a tablet in general. Well, they like I, the flexibility yeah. of it, they just needed more power right. to do more things. I think it's slowing down because you don't replace it every year. Right. And also, it and it true. may
0: be taking it may have taken 5 years since it's came since the original one. It may have taken Apple and the industry in general this long to establish uh just the technology to get a tablet to be capable of doing what a laptop can do.
1: Yeah, the uh, new one's pretty freaking powerful.
0: Right. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. maybe maybe that's why it's taken this long, but uh, but what I'm curious from our listeners too is uh, how is the iPad or tablet in general, or maybe, you know, if it's a surface, um, how is that being used in your offices um, or is it being used at all? I mean, I can tell you this, how it's being used yeah.
1: in ours if you want for a little case yeah. study. Cause we, we actually have like a a briefcase full of these things, which is uh, that go out to interviews and, and they get used for various things like that because I, there's, a, you see a lot of personal ones around the office, but as far as like what we actually use them for, for work, Mm-hmm. uh we use ipanel a lot which is a a panoramic app where you can load in 360 degree images and and it's cool to put those in your client's hands and let them spin around to space yeah and so yeah. You, you sit them down in a chair and they spin around and they are in that space they're looking through the magic window at the at their space and and it's it's a powerful connection for them they're driving They hold the iPad up and they look down and they look around and everywhere they look, there's, it basically puts you in the middle of a room. And that's probably one of the, just the best, easiest, it's like one of the most dummy proof things we can do when we send people out with iPads because there's zero like problems that are going to happen because of it in, in like contrast to augmented reality where lots of things could go wrong. Um, especially with the wrong person at the controls, <laughs> you send that out with somebody who's not technology savvy and it's real easy to mess up and not look, come across the way you want to come across in an interview situation or, you know, under a high pressure situation. Um, something like that is still amazing. Um, and, and we are using it for that too, but something like iPano is a great little thing that, that we use it for all the time
2: in our office. Well, but you but you said earlier, you know, that we're on the precipice of more coming and this, you know, you, you were talking about augmented reality and, and, I remember meeting the one guy at the AIA convention who was showing what today's augmented reality technology can do with just a regular iPad. And now that we're becoming, you know, now we're getting more powerful iPads, um, that, I can just see that they will be able to advance the technology a little bit more. And yeah. so you won't have to have the, Oh my God, you know, I don't know how to use this kind of stuff. It, it'll, it'll be a lot easier to, you know, maybe dummy proof it.
1: Well, and I, I think that probably the most compelling thing about these is the stuff that they're putting in these that is different from a laptop. So we obviously have the big touch screen thing, but some laptops have that. But I think more than that, it's, It's the gyroscope, it's the accelerometer, it's the the built-in camera on both sides, um, and now it's the the force touch, the 3D touch, pressure sensitivity. There's a lot of things that I think, and that's why I'm excited about the future, is how are apps that are totally mobile in this handheld device with all these additional kind of sensors and things that are basically linked to our analog environment, how are they going to help architects transform how we communicate with clients and people?
2: I'll tell you what. Here's what you do. You take the next version of the iPad Pro beyond the one that's here. You set it on the ground. It does a 3D hologram. And you Obi One you, you are only hope you can spit it around and you can go all uh minority report on it again
1: oh oh yeah <laughs>
2: yep, i'm bringing that up again
1: bringing it up again jeez hey listen so to the last episode here's
0: here's one thing i find kind of interesting about uh about the ipad in general um but i think it's had an, an effect overall is that is how firms deal with software f- and and the fees, right? And the cost of software in general. I think one of the interesting things about the iPad that uh, has really kind of, I think we're on that precipice, we're getting there, but I think there's a bunch of programs that are out there and the the cost for these things is very small in general, right? I mean, so are we going to, we may get to a point where um, the software that we're paying for is going to come down in price, right? The kind of the equivalent I see or the best example I can, I can think of off top of my head is, is that like for a console game, you were oftentimes paying $50 or more for that, you know, game that you're going to play on your console device or game system, Xbox, PS4 or something, but you can get, a thoroughly enjoyable game. It may not quite have the same graphics, but it's still an enjoyable, fun game. And at least for my son, who's 10.
1: It's maybe one generation behind. I mean, it's yeah. not that far behind, right? But it's like $3 or $10.
0: It's not 50. Now, Is
1: that sustainable for the developers? Well, now? I don't know if that's sustainable
0: at all. But what I find interesting about that is that the cost of software in general is coming down and I had asked a question actually earlier this year on uh, my Apple for architects site on uh, Google+ Plus. and I my question basically was what should CAD software for architects cost and I found it very interesting I put like you know a hundred dollars five hundred dollars a thousand two thousand dollars and up right and it was interesting out of the uh, let's see how many people total uh, participated in this. Uh, almost a hundred people participated in this in this in the questionnaire. It's completely unscientific, but I was really surprised. It was like fifty percent said two thousand dollars and up for your CAD software, and I, I found that very surprising.
2: Well, th- okay, think about this. The reason why it's expensive, or the reason why they may have thought that you know you spent you can spend more on it. This is stuff that we we essentially bill for this program. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you probably should be <clears throat> because it's it it's it's part of your um ability to provide the deliverables that they want and need. So, you know, if you're not building you're building in the price of your overhead the software and um, you know, reimbursables and things like that into your contracts, you're probably shortchanging yourself. Um, And that's probably what they're thinking is, is that, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm billing them X dollars for deliverables. Part of my, all my deliverables can't be accomplished without the software. So I'm building in the cost of the software as part of my deliverable cost, or at least a percentage per, per project. So really at the end of the day, you should be paying for it, not, Technically out of your pocket, but out of your, you know, client's pocket. Right? Well yeah, it's the cost of doing business. Yeah. So it's built in. Yeah. But um, you know, so I I don't I don't disagree that, you know, in every time I see the price of a out of the box um software like, you know, Revit used to be what, seven grand or some crazy business like that. I don't know. it was huge. And you know like, "Oh, I can't afford seven grand. Well, you know if you prorate that over the course of a year and over the course of your projects, it doesn't really add up to maybe more than like a hundred bucks a project or whatever, and so you know, that works. And, and I know, you know, your audience was more geared towards like the small business and the sole practitioner. Right. And that seems to be, that's huge. And that's a lot of money to come out of it. And that's, and it takes a lot longer to recoup that. You're probably going to uh, not update your software over the course of one year. Like, you know, I'm using Revit 2014. Now I'm using 15. I'm looking forward to 16, you know, those kind of things. And so, You know, on larger commercial projects, you can kind of absorb that cost, whereas you can't. And so you're probably going to be using Revit 2010 versus, you know, me using 16 only because you haven't recouped the cost yet or, you know, it's just too expensive. Or it does what you need. Or it does what you need. But I think where software companies... Included, you know, and it may have been from the gaming community where they got this, and you know, kind of harken back to what we were talking in the last episode about, you know, learning from industries that are leading the way rather than following. But is cloud is is cloud based subscriptions? I mean, the cost of the, and a perfect example is Adobe's Creative Cloud versus. The standalone is an enormous cost of savings on the creative cloud versus um, versus your uh, your standalone software, and you have essentially where you could use your license at work and you can use your license at home um, you know you can only use it once at a time but but still you're you're able to be productive you know whenever the you know kind of like spark hits you. And I, I, th- I think you know now, you know you've got the at Revit, you've got the um, Render Cloud, and, and things like that. So I think you're getting to a point where we're going to start seeing all of this software become a lot more affordable because it's going to be cloud based.
1: Well, and next year with Autodesk, uh, there is no such thing as perpetual licenses anymore. Exactly. Right. 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 So,
0: and that that sounds really scary, but uh-huh. yet. I mean if uh, I'm gonna give you an example. Um and I'll I'll reference AutoCAD LT for as this example, but um for for a year subscription, you pay up front, I believe, uh you you not paying monthly, but um it's three hundred and sixty dollars plus or minus a year for AutoCAD LT. And uh prior to that, if you were to buy AutoCAD LT, it was about a thousand dollars. So you know roughly um, and if you only upgraded every three years, then you're spending, you know, your $1,000 for one license, and then three years later, you're three, three versions behind, and then you upgrade again. And then there's massive changes, right, between the, you know, year one Potential. and year three. Yeah. Potentially, right? And at 350 or $360, you're, you're spending almost the same amount of money, but yet you're able to stay up to date a- every year. And, um, you know, I think what's also interesting, I, I just received a question on, on Twitter, um, from a follower about, um, needing the ability to essentially open up DWG files, turn on and off some layers, make some PDFs so that they can do, uh, some bidding on, on a project. And they were asking me, you know, essentially what, type of programs could they use to do this where they wouldn't have to necessarily buy a full-blown license for something like AutoCAD. And actually, the subscription allows for even a month. You can literally go and, like, license AutoCAD for a yeah. month.
2: Looking and, at them right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so, I I, I suggested, my, the funny thing is, at first, I was thinking, oh, okay, what free options are there? Oh, there's this, there's that. And then I was like, duh, uh, just Go purchase a license for a month, use it for what you need, get what you need done, and then you're done, right? I mean, a very small cost. It's not $360. I don't know what it costs for one month.
2: One uh, month for AutoCAD professional plan is $210. Well,
0: well in this so there's case— There's the
2: preferred plan and then preferred right. plus plan.
0: Okay, so, but I mean, even, you know, for AutoCAD LT, I'm sure it's it's much cheaper. because Oh, yeah, yeah, this is, is full-blown AutoCAD. So, but I mean, I think these options are, are really useful for um, offices, small offices and, and practices that uh, it gives us a whole lot more flexibility than when, you um, know, a few years back, it was like, okay, well, I'm going to set up my office. So, wow, okay, I got to spend, you know, $7,000 on Revit. And like you said, Cormac, recouping that takes a while. But if I can, you know, join in, I, I don't. I have not looked up the costs of, say, you know, Revit uh, or Revit LT for a year. But um, you know, it might be something similar to AutoCAD LT. Well, for three hundred and fifty bucks, it's like, wow, I can make that back pretty quickly. So, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so, and even if it's less than, you know, a little bit more than that, it's not that costly when you look at the grand scheme, even for a small firm. And so, so uh, I think that's, it's really affordable.
2: LT subscription is 45 a month or 360 a year. And if you think about that, I mean, and that's amazing in comparison. So 360, back when I bought LT I can't even remember what version, but I bought it for $1,700. Um, and that was, you know, with, I believe, with the annual upgrade, you know, updates that were like an additional couple hundred bucks per uh, per license. And, um, you know, so essentially I was paying about the annual price of the LT subscription for the yearly upgrade plus the initial $1,700 investment. And as, you know, a sole practice or, a, you know, a practice of two, you know, for two licenses, you know, and you're paying almost four grand uh, with that plus the upgrade versions, that's, that's a lot, you know, and that will take a while to recoup that, um, you know, especially if you're doing houses. And we were lucky to land a couple of commercial projects, but you know that's that's a lot of money to come out of your pocket, and that's why I think these. I, I like the fact that they're that all of these companies are seeing the benefits of subscriptions and cloud-based computing and stuff like that. That makes it a lot more affordable and a lot cheaper. Plus, they're also seeing that other companies are out there that are doing it and that are competing with them, and especially when you know they've got a whole profession of you know sole practitioners or really small firms that can go and get their computing you know their software a lot cheaper somewhere else they're going to start paying attention and competing you know with those people i
1: think that your survey is interesting neil because it's not my perception that people are willing to pay money for stuff in the architecture field i see a bunch of cheapskates
2: well, that's I gonna, that's
1: I why say.
0: I was so surprised that more than 50% of the people were like, I'm willing to spend more than $2,000 because I'm like, who are these people? Because everybody <laughs> I talk to says essentially, I, I'm not going to, well, you know, I'm going to find it on BitTorrent yeah, or I'm going you know, to use the free I'm,
1: version of SketchUp or, or yeah. yeah.
0: I'm just going to spend all this time and effort to right. crack a program. Right. When it's like, okay, for 350 Or
1: just try to do all the crazy-ass workarounds so that you can use the free version of something. Right,
0: right, right. exactly. <laughs> I'm going to print it a I'm going to send
1: my file to my friend where he can export it to a PDF because my version won't do that. That happens all the time. And I, I, I find it... I also find it crazy that people don't spend any money for training on this stuff because it Uh-oh. is not easy to learn. And there are people who can get you up and running so much faster, but... but I don't know. I think it comes from our days in studio and and just putting in the hours and the pain.
0: I'm curious how important, I'm not going to say training is not important, but as somebody who is entering an office, you're coming with some experience with some programs already, right? I mean, you're you're using SketchUp, you're using you know AutoCAD or Revit or um, you know any number of other programs in school already. So when you go to an office, you have some experience. I guess the the level of training today is far less, I think, for offices than it used to be because it used to be. Uh, well, this was going back shameful. a few years. Is that? You know, if you wanted to hire somebody to do CAD work, it was like, okay, well, I've got to bring in somebody that doesn't even know, or you know, they may not even know how to use a computer. So, I mean, that's pretty much not a problem nowadays.
1: But now people don't know how to use CAD. Neil,
0: is that it? Yeah. yeah okay. So everybody and and we still actually, have
2: projects in CAD. Actually, that's that is a really interesting point because there are a lot of there's a lot of recent graduates who have never opened. AutoCAD and right. don't know squat about it. They they know right. Revit. It's it's either Revit or Illustrator. Really?
1: Yeah. Okay. But I mean, Neil, look at yourself. I mean, do you how, how much do you know Adobe Illustrator or SketchUp or Photoshop or InDesign? And if you were going to go work somewhere and they asked you to do something in that, how, what would you do? Um. Actually, I know a little bit about most
0: of those programs you mentioned. More about more but, about but InDesign. If
1: you had to put together like some boards and illustrator what would you do uh, i could not use illustrator so what would you do um boy i don't use
2: know
1: <laughs> yeah use another program use i'm just saying design. like design. like yeah, you exactly. were asking about the, the the need for training and it's out there i mean i dust would, off my page maker would you do it would you take it upon yourself to go maybe pay for a little training or would you try to piece it together with a bunch of free youtube videos or what what do you think i mean there's there's a lot of ways to do it but i think most people will spend the hours searching for uh 80 two minute long youtube videos and kind of trying to piece it together rather than just paying for a course on linda or something right, right. so that's what i mean by the the cheapskate mentality i think more most people will if they can they'll try to figure it out and they'll, they'll maybe try to piece it together. But I, f- I think I find it interesting that people don't in what I consider invest in yourself.
0: Okay. But, but what, what about the, somebody coming into an office and, um, if they have some familiarity with the program that you're using, uh, it just from school, then, I mean, really the, the training involved, uh, the, the here's where. I've always seen it is that there any CAD program right or BIM program there's two languages involved here there's the the first language is do i know the commands of the program right and can i it, can i draw in it and then there's the second language which is how does this office use the program
1: office you standards
0: know, what is their office standards how do they put together a set of drawings I right I guarantee because you
1: no one in school has ever thought of the concept of office standards, let alone they should and, and the other the other thing that blows me away, and this is just coming from my experience is students eyeball this shit they don't even draw it with dimensions yeah yeah like exactly. it, it's crazy that somebody somebody spits out yeah here's a plan, and you go in and you start dimensioning it, and it's like what are you what are you snapping oh what's what's a snap i don't snapped anything like. Oh
0: Well, but Evan, wouldn't you say though that the uh, what you're doing in school and generating a design for a few, you know, a a quarter long course, right? Or you may be doing multiple designs during that quarter. Wouldn't you say that that's a different sort of criteria or set of standards that you need to deal with than it is to when you're in an office? I
1: guess what I'm saying is it doesn't matter what they know. What they know is wrong. Okay. For the way that we need to do it, right, and I know i wasn 't like that in school, like when I drew stuff in school, I drew it right, and I think most of the time now it 's just design it 's just drawn to make the rendering look right mm. interesting because there's so much emphasis on the on the final product, and there 's definitely emphasis on the process, but even the process is messy right
0: oh but but evan that you know, quite honestly, that's not any different than when I was in school.
1: No, I know it isn't, but it was
0: always it, about I mean, who had the you know, the the hundred and twenty uh, ad marked pens that could create the coolest looking, you know, drawing for the final rendering. You know, I mean, it wasn't a render. I
1: think it's more of a a mindset though of knowing what it takes to get something built versus just make it look good on paper.
2: Right. Those okay. are
1: two completely different processes. And so if, if, if I know that I want that thing to get built, I'm gonna draw it right and I take pride in that.
2: But and we talked about this on the last show, when most people are looking for or you know, your clients and stuff are looking for that eye candy up front, but they want the photo real eye candy, you're building it in say SketchUp or whatever else that you're you're doing you you said it best that you know these are the programs that you know create bad habits yeah they encourage bad habits yeah and that there never there there's no consequences on you know all of this wasted work you just basically start over and try to recreate all of the stuff that you did and and so yeah it, you know uh, to be
0: honest with you one of my problems i've had was trying to use sketchup was that it was so hard to try and do anything accurately? Oh no, it's, it was. It's, it's, it's not at paralyzed all paralyzed me. That it's like, how do I draw this? <clears throat> oh well, you just kind of do. I mean, there was
2: no, I've no. Had a lot you of can
0: problems with SketchUp because I can't. It's like I want to snap to something. I want to draw something exactly twenty-two it, feet wide, and it's and like, and you can. Well, you can now.
2: Well, you always could. Yeah, yeah you always could. It's, it's just knowing how. It's just yeah. it's a lot easier to just say, mm, "Let me draw a box," and then let me start, you know, carving out of that box. And and right. so there's it. As Evan said, it's easy to you know start those bad habits, and then you know your your model may look right. It's certainly not usually not right, but I mean, we've got you know. We've got a model that we've got going on in SketchUp because it's a lot easier to, you know, do some things that we need to do with it. But we exported the model out of Revit and, and built off of it from there. So we know that it's an accurate model and we're just, you know, doing different, you know, facade treatments and stuff to it. But we know it's right. Um, it doesn't mean that we can really use it. I mean, we're sort of using yeah, it you're gonna for... You're going to have to rebuild it. We're, yeah, we're going to have to rebuild it. But... um, you know that's that's what the encouraging. What was the uh, the Revit based thing called again? Um, the that that uh, that kind of SketchUp esque type um, modeling that you'll be able to do that uh, works with Revit. Talking about Formit. Formit, yeah. yes, Formit. That you know, it'll be interesting to see how that actually works, and you know, because if it if it's a if it's something that. And I know that um, there are other programs out there that do that now already. But you know, since we're talking about Autodesk products and, and Revit, um, you know, it'll be it'll be good to see you know if you can do something that you can put dimensions to, but it is you know kind of intuitive like SketchUp, and then later on, it's not a wasted effort to be able to translate it into. Right. Um, using it, you know, taking it that step further into construction documents. So it's encouraging to see some of these things um, coming out.
1: Well, you don't have to wait. You could try it now. I I know that Formit's whole system is based on Revit massing. So, you know, the idea there is that you, you don't have to waste any of it and do it yeah. over again. So And it works in the browser, too. It's pretty crazy.
0: I've got a question for you guys. How many monitors do you use in the office for, for your workstation?
2: Minimum two. Two? All right.
1: I've been thinking about going to two again, but I'm a, I'm in a 127-inch monitor.
2: Yeah, I can't not have at least two because <laughs> I've got too many things open. I've been okay with
1: it. It depends. It depends on if I'm on the Mac environment, I'm okay with one because of expose or mission control, whatever you want to call it. But um. On Windows, I wish I had two, which I could do. I guess I just haven't done it.
2: So you've got the email, and you've got all those things coming up, and then you've got, uh, you know, all of
1: yeah. If you like being interrupted, <laughs> um,
2: but but I've got you know so many different reference tools and and all these other things that you know I have going on that I need to see, you know, whether or not it's, you know, going to the browser and looking up the, the building code or, or, you know, and having all these different windows open or, you know, and it's easier for me just to kind of click through and just have everything up. See, this
1: is, this is where the iPad is actually taken me back to the one monitor and it's because of that device, I think where you have one app open at a time and the, the focus that that helps you have has really helped has gotten me back to that mentality, and I know what you're saying. And there are times when I want to see two or three things on the screen at the same time, um, and so that's why I think I'm heading back that way. But for a lot, for many years now, because I do have a a nice 27 inch IMAX screen that is nice resolution, and it's been great. It's been good, and I I honestly feel like it has helped me focus on what I am doing. And that's where the one monitor thing. And I know there's a lot of people out there who have two and three monitors, but I think if you have one big monitor, I would even go bigger if I could. Um, it shows, there's actually been studies that have shown how much more productive you can be with a bigger monitor. I And I also think that two is, is better, but if it's on the one screen, it really helps me focus. That's that's kind of been my argument. And now, like I said, I'm trying to, I'm I'm thinking I might go back to two.
0: Well, I, I ran a similar poll to uh, the price of uh, CAD software. I ran a similar one to that. And I found it interesting. About 70 people uh, voted on that. And there'll, there'll be a link in the show notes if you want to chime in on it as well. Uh, but uh, 55% said uh, two monitors.
1: And I think resolution starts to come into that question. To me, naturally, the next question is how big? How Right. Yeah, because... and I, did, I didn't get into that. <laughs> because I know stuff. a lot of people who work with some, two crappy old 19-inch monitors at 1280 by 1024, and it's like, well, yeah, of course, right? <laughs> right, so right. I think that, well, I mean, that does play into it. Staring at my desk right
2: now, um, I've got two 20, 21 inch um HD monitors, and I wish I had a third one, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, well, because I've because normally I have so many things open as reference, so. A lot of the stuff that I have... That's the project there. manager talking now, listeners. It, it, is the pro- it is the project manager talking, so, you know, but it's so many different <laughs> it's things to just reference. minority report talking. If I, if, <laughs> exactly. And now you know why I want that particular <laughs> interface, because <clears throat> I have to pull up, if I'm reviewing submittals or something, or if I'm, you know, answering an RFI or whatever, you know, I need to pull up yes, that, totally. you know... The set of drawings, it's a lot easier just you to pull it up digitally. You need cut sheets and
1: drawings and email correspondence and all this right. stuff on so the screen at the same now time. now
2: I need 15 different screens, so yeah. that's <laughs> why I need to set, <laughs> put the little iPad um, Pro down on the ground, let it hologram projection up, where I can have your multitude two different Mm-mm. things up, and I can just swoop around. Uh, all right. So, yes, I was using my hands there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so wave your hands around. I've got another, uh, studio or, or office topic I want to touch on, which is music. I know when I, the, one of the first offices I worked in, um, uh, actually second or third, but I'd be, they, uh, uh, we would have in the, in the, the once one floor, we probably had a dozen or so people. We had like a large planning table kind of in the center of the space. And, uh, and there, there was a, um, an old somebody, probably somebody's old stereo, right? And uh, it would be turned to a station from the Bay Area uh, most of the day. And it was kind of on low in the background. Now, this was before we had uh, iPads or, or not iPads. Um, yeah, iPads too, but iPods and and, uh, and such. So, you know, there was always this kind of music in the background, but it was low. Uh, and then slowly, you know, I think when uh, portable players uh, or people would, I mean, we had a, portable DVD player, or not DVD, gosh, CD player, right? And so you could listen to music that way. Yeah, this is old school, guys. Uh, Cassettes, right? We could go that far back, but... um, Wax cylinders, come on. (laughs) I don't go back that far. Um, But anyway, I'm just kind of curious what you guys think, or, or what... I mean, I haven't worked in a larger office in, in, in a number of years now, so I'm not really sure how that's changed or, or how if it's any different or if there's any music at all. Or, um, I mean, do, uh, do people do offices still play music in the background or does everybody just kind of plug in their headphones and tune out?
1: Yeah. In my, in my office, most most people either don't have music at all or they've got their headphones in. For me personally, I have speakers on my desk and I play music out loud. And I sit four feet away from somebody else in the current team area that I'm in right now. And so there's four to six people in there, and they get to listen to my music. And And, and to me, I, I can't listen to podcasts. I can't listen to audiobooks. I can't listen to anything when I'm working like that. But if I, I do need music going in the background. And I feel like it just makes it feel like more of a studio environment. And so I'm not... The, the song Nazi, I don't if if somebody doesn't like something or if they do want to hear something, I'm totally cool with and I, I that's one of the reasons I bring my iPad to work because I put on Apple Music and I just, it, it's just the jukebox and but I, there's a lot of people who hate music in the studio or, or they just go into their own little world and I know I will even do that sometimes when I really have to crank on something I will put the headphones on as to block out another layer of the world so that and hopefully, it's just a cue to somebody: "Hey, don't bug me. I'm cranking on something." Uh, that's kind of like the little, the little uh, physical yeah. mark on the outside that says, "Hey, I'm I'm cranking." Uh, it, it's got to be really important if you're going to bug me. But other than that, I, I like
2: to have music going because, to me, it feels more like an architecture studio. So I've I've worked in offices that shun music. You know, not even headphones. They think that you need to be, you know. Perfectly alert and aware of everything that's going on in the office, or, you know, whatever. And, you know, I don't know if I necessarily agree or not. I mean, I, if in my current office right now, there's so many different conference calls going on at a time, and people typically are sitting at their desks at, when they're doing these conference calls because that's, you know, Skype with, clients from around the country and consultants from around the country or world or wherever. And, um, and I actually, I, I was pretty amazed at how, how actively, you know, how, how many conference calls are going on at one time in, in our office. And I was, I was pretty amazed at it. And, and so I could see where playing music out loud could be a distraction. And there are people who at their desk will play, music rather than, you know, on headphones, they'll be playing them either through the speakers on their phone or, you know, some small speakers on their desk. But they'll play it really low where just they can hear it. And, you know, and and none of it is typically that distracting. Um you know, I, I've worked in a firm where we used to basically have kind of like a, a roulette of um different uh people playing dj at a time it's just like or we would have one guy kind of play the dj and everybody would kind of send music to him and say hey put this in the playlist put this in the playlist and stuff and so it became this big huge kind of eclectic um version of everything and of course nine times out of ten they could usually tell which songs i contributed um that's really loud turn it down yeah (laughs) what is that? Why is he screaming at us? You know, those kind of things. Uh, But, uh, you know, and I, and I didn't even find that distracting, even when, you know, I was on a phone call or something like that. And, um, you know, and and normally, you know, we don't play it like excessively loud where it sounds like we're at a rave. It, you know, it just, it's more of, you know, just something, you know, some background noise. Um, And, you know, it's just, you know, I know Neil. You've said that you don't like working with you know s- music or distractions in the background, and you know, so it, you know, it's just a preference of the person that's working. And um, you know, the un- the unfortunate thing about the headphones is people do get you know they're they're not listening to um, some of the conversations that are going on because you know there there used to be the the time and. I'm only living vicariously through what I see, you know, imagery wise. Not, I didn't live it like Neil did, where you had this big, huge open studio Thanks, with, with one, with, you know, drafting desks and people were walking around and you could like look at what's going on on your desk. So there was no screen to kind of like hide in the screens. Um, so there's a lot of times when you're, when a project manager is somewhat detached from what's going on on the project because, it's on a 21, or in Evan's case, a 27-inch monitor. And you don't really see what's going on. Um, so there's, you know, the, the conversations that you have about, oh, you know, maybe you could draw it this way or that way or things like that. When you've got your headphones on, you're kind of tuned out of those kind of potential education experiences. Yes. Yep. Totally agree. And those are the things that kind of kind of annoy me about the headphones and you know, that that may be an old man kind of talking here, but you know, I just think there's opportunities that are missed when you're kind of tuning out. Yeah. And so if I do put in my headphones, I only put in one, you know, one earbud and yeah, the I other ones kind of, yeah. you know, like I tuck it in my shirt and I'm just, so I can hear if there's a phone on, if I can hear if somebody's talking about the project and I'm like, Oh, wait, 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 you know, we decided to do this. You're doing it wrong. Yeah, or or <laughs> hey, just by the way, you know, it's um an hour later, and we've of course changed it already, you know. Yeah, because uh, that seems to be the uh, um the what's going on in our project is you know different hour, different uh, different floor plan.
1: Well, I'm intrigued with this new app that a friend of mine sent to me. It's called Rockbot. And uh, what's kind of cool about it is it, it reminds me of the old jukeboxes where you get to go up and pick the song that you want to play next. Except it's uh, basically there's, there's like a main manager app running somewhere. And then everybody else runs like this client app. And hmm. you just basically vote for the next. You, you can put a song in the queue. You can vote them up, vote them down. It's cool, and then that way um, you can even have have it kind of like randomly pick a next song, and it's pretty nice because then it, then it becomes a you know it's it's a community choice at that point, right? It's no longer the the music dictatorship that that I run at my desk. It's <laughs> it's the it's the whole team gets to pick or the office or w- whatever the the setting is. Everybody kind of has a say it seems like a neat maybe experiment at least to try i know there's a lot of places all over the the country that are that are doing this app you know whether they're restaurants or bars or whatever but i wonder if how successful something like this might be in an architecture studio because tastes are, are varied right it's it's oh, of course yeah it's all over the place so i maybe it would be successful maybe not but it might be fun trying it
2: out yeah everybody so, I... knows to stay away from my uh, easy listening playlist <laughs> Is that in air quotes? Yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm really curious what our listeners uh, how they feel about this. So it's, let us know. Let us know on.
1: I have okay. a feeling that that music yeah. is a huge part of the architectural oh. studio culture.
0: So. Oh yeah, I'm sure it is. But I'm curious from the office side too. Or, or I, I'd you know, like office to see how.
1: Studio, but
0: I'm curious uh, what uh, you know what kind of standards uh, different offices have set. Right, let us know,
2: I, I agree, Neil, because you know I'd like to see especially with like this interesting shift in office culture how yeah. people are dealing with things like that you know, and um whether or not you know you have like the the what was it rockbot or things like that you know it would be interesting to see how how right. it's done yeah, or
1: is it just Pandora or Spotify running or what you know, right even even if there was just an iTunes uh, station running somewhere. I I know, I don't know if they still have this, but they had the whole party playlist thing for a while where anybody who had iTunes on their, on their iPhone could just, uh, throw a song into the queue. And, and, uh, that was pretty cool too. So, I mean, I know there's a lot of this kind of instant DJ stuff out there. It'd be interesting to see who's
2: using it. Or is, are there anybody's offices that actually have professional DJs?
0: (laughs) 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 Wow, okay. Oh, goodness, if you're one started. of those, you need to get in touch with us and uh, <laughs> I think you may have some uh, resumes coming your way. <laughs> uh I, another one guys I wanted to, to throw out there and, and this is probably a pretty unusual one, but uh what sort of uh and I'll I'll use the word hazing, but has there have you ever worked in an office that had any sort of like uh, some sort of hazing ritual that the new employee would have to participate in or do yep,
2: you're the new guy. You got to buy the donuts.
0: Ah, okay. Got to buy the donuts. <laughs> is it now, how long does that last? Is that like the first <laughs> week or is it like every week for,
2: Well, since? how many Next, times are donuts showing up per week? The, well, actually it's, um, so the, the old office that I was at, they, you know, you're the new guy would bring the, uh, Donuts in the very first, the, the first Wednesday that worked, they brought in donuts, you know, cause then, then they would normally do like the Friday donuts where, you know, people just kind of rotated throughout the office and, you know, bought, you know, like that month, you know, corporate signing up for February. <laughs> and, um, so <clears throat> I didn't sign up for February, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so there was, it was always the new guy, uh, buys the donuts thing. And, um, and thankfully they didn't have that at at, at my new place. They, oh, there's too many people. They, there's yeah, there's way too many people for that. You know, cuz you're just like, "Hey, you're going to buy donuts for the office." I'm like, "There's uh, 140 people." I <laughs> I haven't gotten a first paycheck yet.
1: How about you, Evan? In our office, we don't have too much hazing. I think we're we're pretty nice. We're pretty nice at our office. So we we take new people out to lunch. Oh, okay. We, uh, yeah. I think the worst thing That's- that that a new person typically has to do is take a set or multiple sets to DSA. <laughs> oh,
2: no, <laughs> they are just... the
1: pre- they're the ones who can spend two hours in the car and go go down to L A. and drop off I don't know, six seven sets of uh, volumes of plans, and, right. and that's usually what happens. So I that maybe that's a little bit of hazing because that pretty much sucks. I mean, you've got to find parking, you've got to load up the dolly you've got to yeah. get it to the building and up the <laughs> elevator and like these are enormous sets of plans we actually got turned around with our high school submission because our plans weighed more than 35 pounds per volume they actually made us split them up to get them i think i think they made us get them down to 25 pounds per volume and you know 30 by 42 sheets yeah they add up quickly so, so that that job turned into like six volumes all of a sudden. It it went in as is two or three, and it it came out as
2: six. <laughs> Just a complete side note here, but so I I had uh, a similar situation where. So most of the time we're submitting to you know county governments, and you know they've dealt with big projects before. Uh, I was working with the um, city of Annapolis and. There's you know smaller community and mostly residential projects. Here I bring in my uh volumes, multiple copies of volumes of the uh the high school renovation or the uh elementary school renovation we were doing, and they looked at me uh, I, they're like I, we don't have the space for those yeah. I, I don't know what to do with them and They were just so overwhelmed because they're the ones who asked for the ten copies. Well, they I don't think they were, you know, <laughs> understood that the 10 copies was three volumes and, uh, and specs that's included yeah. and everything else. It was just, it was horrible. Come on, Which digital submission. I was going to say oh, that's, that's where we need to go. Is, uh, I was going to say. Send is, them the model. This is what we need is we need the digital, even if it's just a PDF. And they could pull them up in Bluebeam, and they can review them through that, and make comments on the drawings, and then send them back to you, and you know, go that. I mean, we've got that route now, where yeah, you know, almost, but they're behind know, us for sure. Oh yeah, Jeez. yeah. You know, so they need to <laughs> they need to keep pushing forward and, and get to the point where they're accepting digital submissions, even for residential. It would make their lives so much easier because. You get one twenty seven inch nice um, iMac or screen, or you can just pull them up and look at them almost um, at one to one scale. Almost
0: So the firm that I worked with um a while back they we had probably about maybe thirty people, I think, when I started there, and so the hazing ritual that they had was every Friday you had to go out and, uh, or you had to go around the office and take everybody's
1: beer order.
0: <laughs> Literally everybody would have a different beer that they wanted. <laughs> like Could Enny's. you imagine that
1: now with all the craft beers? and? Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It would so be pretty then precise. Then you had to
0: go. And, and I think, uh, actually I ended up doing okay on this one because uh, I, I sort of cheated a little bit, but they, um, everybody was supposed to donate a dollar essentially, right? So everybody donates a dollar and you take all that money and you go buy everybody's beer and you break it back and you pass it around. Right. And so, um, what, what I started doing was I think if I got enough people to, uh, to buy into a particular brand or something, then I'd go buy the six pack. And usually it was less than the, you know, the $6 I had, uh, depending on the beer. Right. Uh,
2: so, (laughs) no,
0: nobody ordered that one, but, uh, Um, well, what I did find interesting, but you had to do it every week until the next new hire. So that was, that that was
2: brutal. So you went out recruiting people? (laughs) Come work for us. Here, come work for
0: us, please. I mean, the the firm was a lot, but once the firm got bigger, that, that kind of died out. But, um. Uh, But what I did find interesting about it was, especially when you start with a firm of around 30 people, uh, it's really hard to get to know everybody's name, right? Uh, It takes a little while. And so the interesting part was by having to do this beer run, you had to walk around, okay, get your name. This is this person. They want this beer. And then you have to go back and give it to them. So I don't know. I found it a real interesting way to remember everybody's names in the office.
2: All right, Evan, let me ask you this question, seeing how Neil opened it up. And it was that's actually pretty interesting because I'm now three months in and I've learned maybe all of the names that are in my particular studio, but not in the office. There's, you know, people that, you know, I, I may never actually see in a day in that office. So, and I know, Evan, you've got an office of 200 people. Do you know everybody's name?
1: No. No I know. I know most of them, though. I, I, I often think about this. I often think. I wonder if I know more names in this office than anybody else because I do know an awful lot. And not it's not only our office; it's that we have like eight offices. Oh yeah, yeah. And I know many people from many offices. So, um, and that's because I've worked in here for eight years, but then I've also worked here for four years previously. Um, and a lot of the same people were still there. So. It's surprising because I I suck at names, but I mm-hmm. know people's names in my office, which is really weird. So I know a lot, but there's no way I can know them all. And plus, it changes too much.
2: I made it easier for everybody that, when, you know, since we had our uh, ch- chili cook off and I won. So now <laughs> no, they all get just, No, they all get to just call me the chili guy. The chili
0: I don't know. So that's for at good, least Korman. a year
2: I don't have a name. I'm just the chili guy. Yeah, you are.
1: <laughs> that
2: sounds hey. like a great
1: place to end this episode. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think And so. that's gonna be the name of the episode too. <laughs> the <chili. laughs> All right. Well,
0: I mean we we talked about a number of things uh throughout this episode, so if you've if you've got something to share, uh, you know, a similar uh, hazing ritual or, or, you know, comments about the music and, and some of the other stuff we talked about, please let us know. Give us some feedback on Twitter and on uh, Facebook page. Uh, as well, so uh, and or the, on the uh, in the comments and the website too. so that that's at podcast dot com and our Twitter accounts are listed on there. And then we also have the Arcusspeak uh, podcast uh, Facebook page, which actually we've been getting a, a lot of people liking that lately, so that that's kind of fun. Uh, to see that happening, and uh, and we keep teasing this. I mean, we do have uh, we do have the Arcuspeak podcast phone number, which is four one five four eight four eight four nine six. So uh, if you've got some real fun hazing story or something to say about the music or, or anything else we talked about on this show, uh, leave us a message there, and we certainly enjoy reading the Google transcript of it. And uh, if, if you'd like, we can uh, share it on the show. So
1: oh, and if you want a arc speak t-shirt. Let us know. That's right. You might want yeah. to wear it in your office. Yeah. While you're listening to music. All right, people. There you go. We need to know. That's right. All right, see you guys next time. All right, bye. Bye.